All right, Hossein, this is the first question. It's the boring one, and then I promise you it gets more exciting from here on out, but it's really not that boring. Tell me your franchise story. How did you fall into this industry that we both occupy? Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure, Nick. Uh, um, I started, I've, um, I'm an act actually an engineer by degree, and uh, my experience uh, in engineering goes back to Motorola days for uh, a decade or so that I led a big team developing um, pagers back in the day, if you know or your audience knows what those are, <laughs> and then cell phones, completely dating myself. But um, I left that and I, 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 I developed a technology company that grew very quickly and it got that company got bought out. And then I did some work for... Um, various government agencies, including the Department of Defense and the Secret Service. And then I got, uh, I developed a product uh, which allowed uh, parents to have an identification of their child available handy in their pocket, in their folder, as a, an, in addition to also their cell phone, in case their child went missing. So it would basically go to schools and daycares fingerprint kids, photograph them, and then measure their height and weight, and then provide the parents with a set of IDs that could be used in a, a time of need, right? So that company was called Gardekid, and it grew very quickly here in the Miami area. And then, of course, the next question was, how do I get this nationwide? And being that it's a child-related business, you're very much worried as to, you know, I don't want an employee in another city uh, to be handling kids. I need an owner-operator, a person that's fully committed, the, the person that has a skin in the game. And that's where I uh, started teaching myself about the world of franchising. So to make the long story short, I franchised that business and in the next five years, that business grew to 175 franchises in 11 countries. Um, and it was ranked among the top 50 or 100, depending on the year, fastest growing franchises in America. And it was ranked among the top 500 franchises by Entrepreneur Magazine every single year of its operation. That company in 2010, which was five years after its inception, was actually, um, it was bought out. It was acquired. That was the way I got into the franchise world. And, and, and then we can talk about, you know, how we got to, to where we are today. So a few things to unpack. Uh, one, you weren't on a franchise path. I mean, the reality is you were thinking much bigger much bigger, much differently than than traditional franchising and working with governments where you come up with an idea, the engineering background, which most franchisors would say an engineer is the worst possible franchisee ever because you're going to come and fix everything. And so you fall into this business model. Talk about your process uh, if at that moment of one, what was your perception of franchising? And two, how did you go about even franchising your business? So the perception of franchising for me was an ideal, ideal uh, model. And the reason I thought at the time, and again, the more I learned about it, the more I realized how, how what a perfect system it is for a franchisor, for myself, a business owner that wanted to expand. You know, having someone that's putting their money into your dreams and they're putting their money, their time, their resources, 
in opening a location to do exactly what you tell them to do was ideal. Uh, you only have two options. Well, you know, if you don't want to give up equity in your company, okay, that's your third option is to get an investor in, but no one wants to give up equity. Nobody wants to become an employee again after you've been an employer, right? So, but if you don't want to give an equity, give up any equity, you have really two options. You can open these locations on your own or you can franchise it. So if you open these locations on your own, yet now you have employees that don't have a vested interest in your business. The worst thing that can happen is you fire them. So they can screw up your business. They can destroy your reputation. Uh, they're having a bad day with their spouse or whatever the case is, and they bring it to work and they destroy your brand. And the, 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 the most you can do is fire these guys. They go off and they get another job. And here you sit back and have to deal with the destruction that they left behind. In the world of franchising, I learned very quickly that is exactly the opposite. Now you have an owner operator, the person that's putting their money there, they're putting their time in just like you did. They care about your business the same amount as you care about your business. You care about it because you put your money and time into it. They care about it because they put their money and time into it. As a matter of fact, they put more money than you because they also, in addition to the startup cost, they're also paying the franchise fee. So for that reason, they care about this business and they put their full time and effort into it. They go to sleep at night, they put their head, head on the pillow, and the first thing and last thing in their mind is, what do I do with my business to make it better? So, you know, that perception is, for me, was the perfect model. For my particular business, which related to children, was absolutely the right model. But that same analogy is true for any other business, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a gym, you know, people worry about, you know, I, I hear at Franchise Creator, people call us and they say, well, I'm worried about my recipes. I'm worried about the food not being perfect. I'm like, well, you have four locations. Why are you not worried in your fourth location, third or second location that the same problems exist? You don't, you're not there. You can't be in four locations at the same time. But when you sell a franchise, that franchisee is there on top of that location every single day. Uh, how did I go about um, franchising my business. Well, that was my my entrance in the world of franchising. So I started researching a whole lot about this model. So I did some of the work on my own, but then I hired an attorney. And I always tell um, I always tell my clients, hiring an attorney alone is probably the greatest mistake you can make in franchising your business. Attorneys are fantastic at what they do, and that is in legal work. Um, as a matter of fact, a lot of these attorneys, there's really no particular field of franchising that they study. They study business law and they come out and they they practice, you know, franchise law because they read the NASA guidelines and so forth and so on, whatever is put out by the Federal Trade Commission. But in the, the, the bottom line is attorneys have never sold the franchise. They've never dealt with it with an unhappy franchisee. They've never dealt with, you know, territory expansions and multi-unit purchasers and all the different things that comes with the business side of this franchising. So that attorney has to be combined with a consultant, a consultant that has real world experience in growing a franchise network. So that I didn't have at the time. So I paid the, the, the toll, I paid the dues because I became a consultant on my own, where in reality, a lot of mistakes were made till I finally perfected the process. And that came with time and that came with money. 
And this is one of the biggest recommendations that I tell people, clients of mine, don't ever make that mistake. You hire an attorney, it's a huge mistake. Hire a consultant and hire an attorney, two things at the same time. Or a consultant can refer to you the right attorneys. That's even a better situation. Yeah, you're still saying find the attorney, but use someone that understands franchising to pair up with that attorney. I mean, I, and one of my friends who I do do a lot of podcasts with, I mean, he would be the rare one. He's He actually built a franchise and went through that process in conjunction with it. So it's almost like he learned the school of hard knocks being a uh, attorney and you learned it being a, uh, a consultant. So lo- love that process. And so you you go and franchise your, your business. 2010, you exit. What happens between 2010 and your, your next thing? So I went into retirement and I realized that I, I have two left arms. I can't play golf. <laughs> so, so, so I realized that I'm not a couch potato. I was too young to be one. So, and I have so much, you know, juice in my tank as far as, you know, creativity and creating new businesses. I've always been an entrepreneur, a businessman. So, and many, a few companies came to me and said, Hossein, you did very well with your franchise. You grew it incredibly fast. It was ranked here, there, you know, everywhere. Help us with our brand. So I helped a couple of companies and and um, and I realized that there's, there's a business here. So that's when I started a company called Franchise Creator. I looked at the space and the space was occupied by a lot of other franchise consulting firms. Most of these guys didn't really have a real world experience. They basically, you know, have been in franchising for a while. They were a franchisee. They were a master franchisee. They, they, they had franchise experience but they didn't necessarily have a franchisor experience. And I realized there is a potential here for someone that has the real, you know, battlefield experience, bullet wounds to prove it. And that's when I entered this field and we started the company called Franchise Creator. And um, our goal was very simple, is to help small businesses learn the world of franchising and be able to, select the right businesses and enter them into the world of franchising we pro- by providing the entire service. It wasn't like you hire us and we give you this much and then you got to go hire this guy that does that much. We wanted to do the entire gamut. Of course, we do everything except the legal work. The legal work, we provide a list, list of attorneys that we refer to our clients that can help them with that side of the business. But we set up the entire thing for these attorneys, right? I mean, look, you know, you mentioned a very experienced attorney. That's fantastic. If there is a guy out there or a girl out there that has gone the distance, that's perfect. But the truth of the matter is, is when you when 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 you tell the um, uh, the attorney about the franchise fee, he's going to say, well, I don't know what the franchise fee should be. You tell me. What do you want it to be? 30, 40, 50? Tell me. Uh, how about the royalty? I don't know. 5%? Oh, let's go with 6%, 6%. You know, and that's not how it works. You have to do a thorough study of the market before you come up with the, you know, with everything about the structure of your franchise. And that's why that is incredibly important. Franchise Creator was launched in 2011. Um, Today, um, we are uh, a leading brand in the entire franchise consulting world. We have franchised, uh, Nick, 700 companies. We we have... um, um, seen some of these uh, companies come to us with one or two locations and within two, three, four years, we've been able to turn these guys into tens of locations, in some cases, hundreds of locations. 
and with multi-million dollar valuations, tens of millions, and in some case, even a billion dollar valuation. So we're very proud of what we have accomplished. And we have done, we franchised um, businesses in pretty much every field you can imagine. Um, and just recently, um, we were actually acquired by a, a private equity firm. This is as recent as uh, 30 days ago. Hmm. Awesome. So a few few comments and then a follow-up question. So from, from where I stand, I've always felt transparency is so critical for the buyer. And unfortunately in franchising, um, I don't know that the buyer is as protected as they need to be. Uh, and part of that is because we've swung into such a broker heavy community that we have all these people that are willing to say, yeah, I know, I know you have a passion to own a kid franchise, but you would actually be better for senior care. And it's simply because of the fees uh, that they get. I agree with you that if there's a business attorney that tries to get into franchising, uh, that's dangerous because the, the best practices don't exist. They're just practices. And therefore the guidance back to that franchisor can be weak at best. And I also think that um, un unfortunately, there are many businesses that shouldn't be franchised. Uh, when we're looking at a business on the consultancy side, when we're doing the marketing, before we even get into tactics, we have to look at the viability of a business opportunity. And unfortunately, there, there have been many that have been franchised that don't really have the, the meat on the bones. What's the cost to get in? How much can I make? Who's the leadership behind this? And what does validation look like as, as layer one before we even get into anything else? And so I, I, I tee all this up from my, my opinions that it's like the industry should be more responsible of who's a franchisor so that someone that's going to invest their life savings into a business that they have little to no control over can be set up for the greatest shot at success. When you're evaluating a business, they've come to you, they say, I want to franchise this. You're looking at it. What What is the governor that you put on it, whether you actually think it's a viable franchise or not. And then if you don't think it's viable, what's the advice you give back to that business to go get it viable? That's a great question, Nick. Um, and I always tell people as you know, they, they tell me, what business are you in? And I always tell them we're in the education business. We're not in the franchise business. We just happen to do franchising. But our main thing is education. Franchising is such a niche thing in this world of business. A lot of people don't know anything about it. When you mention franchise, they say, well, I'm not a McDonald's yet. I'm not a Subway yet. Right. Not realizing that McDonald's and Subway started exactly where they were when they were franchising. And franchising is the reason why they are now a brand called McDonald's or Subway. So, and this is the message that we try to take to people. But you're absolutely correct. Although almost all businesses are franchisable, there are some that are not, right? So, when we evaluate a business, we look at certain things. People say, well, I need to have two, two locations, three look. I only have this one location. I don't think I'm franchisable. Well, some of the most successful franchises that we have put out in the last 10 years have been businesses that had only one location. The number of locations is irrelevant. Every single franchise that I built for myself had one location when I franchised it. We recently franchised another business of mine called Combo Kitchen. And it had one location barely open when I franchised it. Within the first two years, we sold over 200 franchises and it's ranked among the top um, top uh, 50 fastest growing franchises by Entrepreneur Magazine. So, so that 
McDonald's had one location. So, you know, a lot of these brands had one location when they went to market. So we don't look at the number of locations. We don't look at the length of time you've been in business. We do look at the link. Obviously, if you've been in business for two weeks or a month or three months or four months, no, I don't think you're ready to do anything. The jury's still not out on your business. But when I look at a business that has two or three years been in business for that long, I look at the reviews. And reviews for me is very important because I'm not judging your business. If, for example, let's use a restaurant. When you have 500 reviews and almost a five, five star, 4.9, 4.8, 4.5 even, what is that telling me? That's telling me that a lot of people are liking your product. And then, okay, great. What does that say? That says it's not particularly that those people were hand selected to like your product, unless you've been unethical in your review process. But assuming that your review process is, was ethical, that tells me that that business is duplicatable. Now, we look at the processes within the business. We look at, the, first of all, the psychology of the owner. Is this the type of person that is interested to growing or or do you have one foot in retirement and dragging the other one in depends on you right and again age is not the concern the concern is what is your attitude for growth if we gave you five new locations do you have the means to handle this capacity and be able to do that so that's incredibly important. Your commitment to the world of franchising, it's incredibly important. Every one of these guys that's buying a franchise, they're spending their most likely their life savings into your dream. So you have to take that responsibility and be completely ethical about it and care about the fact that you just changed that person's life, hopefully for the better and not, not for the worse. So you have to have that responsibility on you that you want to grow, right? You have that goal. And... You know, then we then we work with these business owners on processes that need to be in place. So if you have a particular food that you're cooking in your restaurant and, you know, your your mother-in-law is putting the recipes together and, you know, she's she's got this secret, you know, marinade that's being used. Well, obviously, that's not franchisable. If your if your recipes uh, or your marinations or whatever it is that you do, that particular localized thing that you've come up with. Is it transferable to other locations through Cisco's, U.S. Foods, and all of these guys? Can they take over and be become your distributor? So we look at a variety of things and then availability of uh, vendors for all of the products. If you're a gym, those uh, equipment that you have, is it available everywhere? And then we look at the background of the owners, right? We want ethical owners. We want people that have a clean background because as we go to register in various registration states, we want to make sure that your record of bankruptcy, record of felonies and things like that are clear. That paves the road for a unparalleled expansion. So there's a lot of different things we look at, but this is just a highlight of some of the things that are very, very important to us. No, I, I I appreciate that. I mean, at the at the end of the day, and I've I've seen plenty on my side. We'll get we'll get brand X uh, and call it call it lessons learned. There was one recently that came to the table. It was a food brand, and he goes, "Why can't I sell my franchise?" And I said, "Well, tell me. Let's talk. Let's talk through the numbers." He says, "I'm doing a million and a half sales." I said, "Great. What's your net?" And he goes, "My net is ten percent." I said, okay, so that means a franchisee is going to have to do a million and a half sales to make 3% net. He goes, well, when you put it that way, I go, so the payback period on the initial investment could be the entirety of the franchise agreement. 
Well, when you put it that way, and I think the challenge is there was someone that was willing to help this guy franchise his business, didn't say, well, pause a second. You are a great corporate business. At the end of the day, you're going to take home $150,000 and you can feel very proud about that. But you have not engineered this as a franchise. You either need to take the cost of operations down or you're going to have to get the volumes much higher than that. And so I, I do respect like, look at the reviews, see what the buzz is, and then start diving into profitability. And then frankly, the, the magic sauce, if, they're, if it's not well capitalized, is going to be the founder or the leader. Like if there's no energy to go make franchisees successful, then they're going to struggle. I've said this to, to a lot of brands. I, I, I get brands that say, I want a hundred units sold next year. I say, well, what's, what's the most you've done in a year? And they go 20. I go, great. So you're going to multiply your budget by five. And they go, well, no, we're going to magically go sell a hundred. I say, well, wait a second. What if you put the same energy to growing fatter versus taller? Like let's work on unit level economics. And if your franchisees start making more money, they're going to swallow up more territories. And so I think that the challenge is, and I go back to a lot of people, even, even you, you're, you're, you've decided to franchise your business. You went and hired an attorney who didn't understand franchising mistake one. You had to build yourself up as a consultant, which I ends up having tremendous value back to your career anyway. But you look back at those processes, so many human beings don't even know what franchising is. So the education of what this is, what is viable, what's a point of differentiation in a product, and how do you actually scale this thing is totally missing from franchising as a whole. And therefore, it's it's the ethical responsibility of the consultancies to say, maybe we're not you're not ready to franchise, and maybe these are the pieces that you need in order that when you turn on the, the faucet, you have an opportunity to grow at whatever pace you're interested in growing at. You're absolutely correct, Nick. And you know, one of the first things that we do is we look at the we, and you 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 hit the nail on the head when you mentioned about the the profitability of the business. Um, now, mind you, you know, Subway had two locations that were both losing money when they franchised, and you know they grew very very fast. Obviously, forty three thousand locations. They just sold the company for nine billion to Roar Capital. But in general, if you have <clears throat> a PNL that's poor. But the first thing we do is we look at your PL and we go through every item in your in your if you're doing a million and a half in sales and doing 10%, there's something wrong with you. So we're gonna fix you. We're gonna fix you first before we go to market. And if that means you're not fixable, there is no going to market. So we look at certain things. Your what is your food cost? We keep talking about restaurants. Obviously, this is the largest sector in franchising. What is your food cost? I we've looked at PLs and the guy's food cost is 42%. Like you're out of your mind. You cannot have a restaurant with a 42% food cost. Let's bring the food cost down. We know how to help you with that. Let's look at your credit card fees. Oh, you're getting you're getting totally, totally you know, raped with your with your credit card fees. Let's fix that. Let's bring your credit card fees down. We look at your payroll. You know, there's holes in your payroll. You know, let's fix those. You know, so how many full-time employees you have versus how many part-time employees do you have? Can you have more part-times and less? Well, all of those things we look at. And then once the profitability comes to a point that now the restaurant can, the franchisee who's going to buy your restaurant can afford to pay a five to 6% royalty and yet still make a decent living out of it. That's when we say you are now ready for franchising. All right. So now, now you've, uh, exited at least part of the business to private equity again congratulations that's an another exit in your in your checklist uh 
what's what's next for the business? How 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 do you stay involved? Uh, where where do you go in the next year or few? So I'm staying on as the CEO of the company. This private equity that uh, that purchased us, they um, their interest is for us to grow significantly, right? And uh, so there's a lot of money and time is being put and resources is being put to to make us into even a larger company. One of the parts that we didn't talk about is, um, you know, franchise development, building a business, uh, taking a business to a franchise uh, world is a part of what we do. The second part of what we do is franchise sales. We actually take every one of our clients that are interested to grow. We take them and we, we sell franchises for them. So that part of the business is one that's been growing throughout the years. And they, the highlight here is to grow that even larger and to become um, the world's um, largest franchise sales organization. So that is what you're going to see from Franchise Creator in the next 12 to 24 months. Um, we do a you know, variety of services out, uh, outside of that. We're, you know, we're also, um, you know, obviously all the you know, franchise renewals and audits and everything else are things that we, we, we handle. Um, we've been mostly focused um, with the services that we provide to be provided to our own clients, 700 clients that we have. But now we're going outside of that and we're talking to other franchisors, larger and smaller franchisors that can utilize our services. And, and we're also putting together a list of services that these franchisors can, can utilize. So that's, that's the future of franchise creator. Uh, but um, a lot of shaking and baking going on on this side. Um, but uh, we're looking forward to, 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 to the next 12 to 24 months to see a, a newer company. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Uh, obviously, I have the website up on the screen for more information. Uh, and who knows, maybe someone runs into this and learns a little bit more about franchising their business. Maybe they push pause before they call you and make sure that they have viability of it. But then <laughs> when they call you, uh, they, they reach out when they're ready. So uh, thank you so much, Hussein. It was great chatting with you. This is another episode of Meet the Supplier.